welcome to The Being Leader. I'm Annabel Graham. Welcome to this episode of The Being Leader, the podcast that discusses how we need to show up and be as leaders, reflecting on what impacts our behaviours, our relationships and our outcomes, and allows us to focus more on our approach to leading ourselves, our teams and our organisations. So today I'm going to talk about culture. And I'm not going to sit and go into a whole load of of different theories and and really think about it from that point of view. If we come out of today's podcast and you're really, really interested in in that, then contact me via the website or via the podcast and message me and and I'll send you some, some stuff to have a think about. But I'm going to think about that a little bit more fundamentally and explore, you know, what is culture? And why should we as leaders pay attention to it? Because often in organisations we think about delivering strategy and getting things done and the action plan. And that's far more important than how we are behaving. So that's maybe the case. But let's just think about that for a minute. Everything we want to achieve in our teams and our organisations is just stuff. It's the what's, the actions, the things we need to get done. And we can't deliver it all ourselves. So we need to rely on others to do it. And the thing is, they don't think the same way we do. You know, they're real, live humans. They've got brains. They come from different backgrounds. They've had different experiences. They might have been brought up in different countries, different cultures. And that means they are applying a very different map of the world or a very different reality to the decisions that they make. So they do different things than we would. They make different decisions. And that's why, you know, sometimes we don't always get the results or the outputs that we were expecting. They do what seems right to them. So how do we shift that? Well, let's think about it in a a different way. Have you got kids? If you do, how do you get them to do what you want? Do you tell them? You know, Jake, go to your room. Does that work? Sometimes. Rarely. No. What we do as parents is we show them. We role model for them. And they learn by watching us, copying us and doing as we do. You know, just think how many of you who especially have small children, maybe under five, how many of them have been playing video calls because they've been watching you stuck at home all day on the on Zoom or on Teams having conversations? They're parroting it. And just think what happens when you or your partner aren't saying the same thing or doing the same thing. The kids have a field day. They realise that mum and dad aren't agreeing on stuff. And they, it's chaos, you know, they they divide and conquer. Um, So they always have to be doing the same things and demonstrating the same behaviours. And by doing that, you create a family culture, a family way of behaving. And that's exactly the same at work. So what exactly is culture? Now, I love this description by Burke and Litwin because it's super easy. They say culture is the way we do things around here. So that's the beliefs we hold, the values that we demonstrate, the behaviours that we use, and the conventions that happen over time in an organisation. 
and the shape of how a business works. Culture sets the tone for the team, the department or the organisation, and it has an impact on everyone. It's part of the how if we think about Simon Sinek's golden circle. And we use that, you know, in the context of organisations to think about the way in which we go about things. Yet so often we either ignore it or we get complacent about it. Or we believe that everyone experiences the same culture and sometimes as leaders it has nothing to do with us. But we don't all experience the same culture. And that's due to so many things. And it starts right with you as a leader. We might have values that exist. You know, they might be in great big shiny letters in your head office somewhere. But people don't demonstrate them. Therefore, they're just words on a page. So if the values are just words on a page, what does this say? It says how we behave doesn't matter. We might have processes, but nobody follows them. So what does this say? It says rules are there to be broken. We also might have a strategy, but not everyone on the senior team agrees to it. That's why they go off and do their own thing or they don't enter into it. And what does that say? It says we won't challenge each other. We don't feel safe to do so. We work in silos and we don't agree. I'll go back to the fighting parents analogy. And if a key function or department work in one way and in another they do something completely different, what does that say? Well, it says we don't work together, we do our own thing. So often we are unaware of our unconscious behaviours, our actions and ways of working. And that all co contributes to the culture around us. Or we assume we have a culture, but we don't have the discipline to instil it through the business. So as leaders, what can we do? So the first thing I want to think about is what contributes to culture, because this four or five things. So one of the first things that, that contribute to culture is psychological safety. When I feel safe, saying that I don't understand, that I'm scared, that I'm overwhelmed, that I can't cope, or I'm unsure, and that starts to demonstrate that there's psychological safety. It's when we feel we are able to do that and say whatever we want without retribution, without being judged, without someone blaming us or telling us off or laughing at us. You know, and, and that comes down to rapport. That's about relationships and how we build them with the team and the tone that we set. If we look out of the window as leaders and blame other people when things go wrong, then we aren't going to develop psychological safety. Instead, we need to hold the mirror up and look at ourselves and think, what have I done that my people don't feel safe coming and speaking to me? And this psychological safety really builds into trust and transparency. And that's so important because when I feel safe around you, I trust you because I know I'm going to get a consistent behavior and a consistent reaction. If I don't get that, if you joke, joke around, I don't know how to read you. I don't feel safe and I don't trust you because I'm not sure what's going to happen. So therefore, I spend my time feeling constantly on edge and nervous anxious. Behaviours. These are key to culture. 
because these define our ways of working. And we need to recognise that most people learn by role modelling. You know, we copy how people behave. So if we see our boss behaving in a certain way, we think if we copy them, it's going to please them. So if, for example, your line manager comes into work early, works ridiculous hours and is still sending emails at 3am, we will think there's an expectation that we should be doing the same too. And no amount of telling someone not to do it's going to change until as the leader, I stop doing what I'm doing because my behaviours are speaking louder than my words. So when we're thinking about behaviours, we really do need to hold the mirror up to ourselves and think, what example am I setting? And how is this impacting the way my people work? And what can I do differently to enable them to be working in a way that I would like them to be working? One that really helps me deliver the outcomes and the strategy that I want. And that final piece links into one of the key points, which, which is around organisational clarity. If as a team manager or senior management team or executive team, we are not clear on where we want to go with our vision and purpose or where the strategy is going or on the priorities on which we're going to work over the next, say, 3, 6, 12, 24 months or 3 years, then guess what? Nobody else is going to be too. It's our role to provide that organisational clarity, to ensure that as a team who is leading the organisation, we're all on the same page and that we're communicating in the same way consistently. You know, I'll go back to the mum and dad here. We need to say the same things in the same way. Otherwise, people see through it. They, they get it. They get that we're not all on the same page and they take advantage of that. So as well as being clear about the strategy, we also need to be really clear about how we want our people to behave and make sure as a team manager or a senior team that we are demonstrating those correct behaviours. Otherwise, if we aren't demonstrating them, but we're asking our teams to demonstrate them, then what we're saying is, oh, it's okay for you to do it, but, but I'm above that. There's one rule for one, one for the other. And our people are not going to do it. So this sweet spot around role modelling is where we come in as leaders because it's so important that we are role modelling the culture and behaviours that we want and we are being super consistent with it. So not just with our messaging and our organisational clarity, but also with how we're going about things. And, you know, think about, think about those organisations and teams that you've been in over the years. Which ones did you enjoy? Which reflected the whole organisation? Which one do you still miss? And more to the point, which one do you emulate? Now we pick up behaviours from all the different cultures we've been part of. Family, friends, school, workplaces. When we love them, we embody them. When we don't, we do the opposite. So just think, what if the corporate culture looked exactly like I do as a leader. What image does that conjure up for you? Is your response, oh yeah, that would be fab. Or Christ, that's a scary thought. And what if we asked people in your organisation that question? Which response would they give? Good or bad? Great cultures exist on storytelling. These help people shape how they should act and behave. 
So having amazing stories which we use to describe how we want things to be really helps people think about how they should be behaving. So we have the organisational clarity, we have the great role modelling, we have the stories. So think about what stories do you tell as a leader to help people understand how they should be and how things should be done. And more to the point, which stories do your people tell? Are they the same ones that you tell? Would you recognise the story that your team member tells? Because the stories we explain is how we're experiencing the culture. And if that isn't what you want it to be, no matter how hard it is to hear, you need to be aware. So hopefully by now we're starting to think about the culture that we want. And when we do that, we often get hung up on being super prescriptive and, you know, really micromanaging how we want people to be doing things in terms of behaviours, processes, and actions. And why is that? Well, we're brilliant at telling. You know, we've, we've been brought up by it. Our parents have done it. Our teachers have done it. Our bosses have done it. Therefore, we're role modelled into this route to tell and to give control because it makes us feel safe. But you know what? It makes managers miserable. Some of you will have heard of McGregor's um, motivation theory, X theory and Y theory. And they go back to the early 60s. But one of those theories is, is potentially for a different era. You know, the X theory works on the fact that the manager dictates what workers do. And that was fine in the 1900s, in the early 20th century. But over the last 20, 30 years, we've been moving towards a much more autonomous way of working. And if we're moving into this world where hybrid ways of working is going to be the thing, so actually we're not going to be with our team all of the time, that isn't going to work. Why theory makes much more sense. Because McGregor's why theory says people probably want to do what you want them to do anyway. So let them self-manage. Let them figure it out for themselves. And this absolutely links into some of the key motivation theory that is brought out by proponents like Dan Pink and Ed Dietschy and Rich Ryan, who did all of the, the, the work and theory behind self-determination theory. So it absolutely makes sense that we set the parameters, the conditions, and the cult behavioral and cultural norms, but we don't necessarily have to be super prescriptive. We have to be able to stand back. So we have to do what we do if we were being mum and dad. Demonstrate the behaviours that we want, but don't tell people like a parent. We're not dealing with kids, we're dealing with adults. So we need to treat them like, like adults and trust that they will apply those cultural and behavioural norms in the right way and allow to recognise what we're asking them to do and apply it. So basically set the right tone so that people can do the right thing. And there's fant some fantastic examples of this. Zappos, um, which is a retailer that was set up by the late Tony Shea and ultimately became owned by Amazon in 2009. As an online retailer is fantastic. They have a great culture. You know, they work on the theory that their people have the best understanding of what they're doing. Therefore, they can make those decisions and they give them an awful lot of freedom in doing that. And they recruit people who want to, to work that way. And it's all driven by the values and the behaviours, but it governs it in a really great way so that they're powered by service. 
And, you know, they've been in the Fortune 500 top 20 companies since the mid-2000s. And there's a reason for that. You then look like at examples like Netflix, who has a fantastic culture code if you haven't looked at it. They don't put policies around everything because they work on the theory that people will do the right thing. They have no vacation, vacation policy and no tracking of holiday because they know people will care about getting the job done and if they need to take time off, they'll take time off. And they'll do it in the right way and they'll make sure that they accomplish their tasks. That's a brilliant way. Equally, when challenged that there was no clothing policy at Netflix, the then HR director, Patty McCord, said, well, there's no clothing policy here, but equally no one's come to work naked lately, which pretty much says people do the sensible thing. So, you know, the lesson is we don't need to get detailed about policies for everything. One I really love, and this is from HubSpot, was created by Jason Fried, great book called Rework. And they have a policy that is applied to pretty much most things. And it's called use good judgment. Now, I know you're possibly sitting there thinking, what's good judgment? Because I tell you what, common sense isn't always common. Well, no, it's not. But they have three simple rules around it. When we think about the team versus ourselves, favour your team's interests over your own. When we think about the company's interests over the team, favour the company's interests instead. And when we think about the customer versus the company, favour the customer's interests over the company. That's a really clever way of looking at things. So what can you do to enable the culture in your team and organisation? To do that, I want you to start by asking yourself some questions. And I'll pop these in the show notes as well. So first of all, what is working really well in how my people are doing things? Because that's the stuff you need to keep. What isn't going well? What are they not doing? What behaviours are not helping us? And what am I seeing which isn't how we should be working? That's the stuff we need to fix. Then I want you to hold the mirror up. Do I recognise any of those behaviours that are not working in me? And you need to be brutally honest here. What am I doing that my team are also doing that means my people are behaving in the wrong way? Where am I focusing? Am I paying attention to what is going on within the system and the organisation around me and really listening to what is happening? Or am I making assumptions from what I think I'm seeing? And with that, who can I speak to that will give me really honest feedback on how I am behaving and on what they see in the business? Where can you get the data? And that last one, you know, that might be super hard for you. Because trust me, they're going to tell you stuff you don't want to hear. So you're going to sort of put the blinkers on and not pay attention to it. But it may be what you need to hear rather than what you want to hear. Then, having listened to what's going on in the system, so having got feedback on yourself, feedback on the team, looked at the data in there and allowed the whole cultural system to be seen, think about what do I need to do and how do I need to behave differently to start role modelling behaviours consistently for my people to get the outcomes that I want? What is it I need to do differently to enable my people to be different? 
And what does this also mean for the conversations I need to have with my team members or my peers to ensure that we're all on the same page? So behaviours, stories, and then finally, how am I going to get feedback on this? How am I going to know that this is successful? How will I track it? How will I know it's making a difference? Remember, changing the ways of working in a business is always challenging. Even in a team, it's challenging. And that's because we always think it's about other people. You know, those people who are actually doing things. But it isn't. It's always about us. It's always about what we're doing. And recognising that we need to stop and look at ourselves first and really think about the culture and the behaviours that we are enabling by our own behaviours is often the hardest thing to do. So, first of all, we need to hold up the mirror. Then we need to think about what's going on in the organisation or in the team, in the system that we're in, and get the feedback, understand what's happening. Then we need to think about where do we want to be going? Strategy, vision, purpose, the why. What behaviours do we want, do we need, and will enable us to deliver that strategy, the how. And once I understand those, what do I need to do? And what do I need to do, personally? And how am I going to get feedback to be able to measure that and know it's made a difference? How am I going to get it from my team? Am I going to get it from um, a trusted colleague? Am I going to get it from a coach? How am I going to get feedback to know this is making a difference? And not just feedback that reinforces what you want to hear. Proper, good feedback. You know, the stuff that makes a difference. That makes you feel a bit uncomfortable and possibly a little bit pissed off. Because that's the type that you need to get to enable you to work on your culture and it to start making a difference. Think about the questions I asked earlier. Think about the feedback. And above all, think about how your team are working and behaving and how they need to be working and behaving to get you where you want to go. Because if they aren't doing that currently, then you need to do something differently. If you like this, you might want to go back and listen to the podcast on creating alignment, because that will give you some more thoughts about how you can get all of those things in, in line and a bit more congruent with each other. And if you want to think how you can enable that culture a little bit more in the next podcast in a couple of weeks time, I'll be talking with a coach, uh, Nick Howell, about coaching culture. So I hope you will join me then and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Being Leader.